offer them. Really, patients shouldn't hesitate to have, you know, very frank discussions with their physician. You know, when they're undergoing these tests or when their physician suggests the test, to make sure, you know, they understand why the test is being done and what they can expect to get from the test. And no physician would have a problem or should have a problem with, you know, having that discussion with their patients. Dr. Reza Fazel, a cardiologist at Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta. TalkZone.com! Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And thanks for joining us on a beautiful Monday. Here it is, the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Hope everybody out there had an outstanding weekend. The Big Dog and the Coach are with you up until 11 o'clock Central Time. We do it uh, one hour each and every weekday, so we appreciate your joining us. If you're checking in via the webcast, you can uh, say hello. I don't know which camera's on right now, so wave to all 16 cameras that are going on. And if you're just listening to us uh, via the computer and not webcasting so to speak, a welcome. We do welcome you. Lots of sports to talk about here in Chicago. A big playoff win by the Blackhawks. A playoff NBA game coming up tonight. The Chicago Bull. And Big Dog, I know you're a baseball guy first. Not, how do I gently put this? Not a particularly good weekend for our Chicago baseball teams, and that could be the understatement of the year. How are you, well, Dog? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Coach. It was a great weekend. You know, in the yeah. whole terms of, you know, just... Everything that went on, I had a spectacular weekend, Coach. So I, I'm not going to let the fact that mm-hmm. the Cubs lost two or three games to a team that had only won one game. They tripled <laughs> their win total, you know, yeah. in a couple games. I'm not going to get upset about it, Coach. Sounds like there is a glitter. I can't see your eyes right now, but I got a feeling if I saw you, there would be a glitter in your eyes right now. I don't know how deep we want to dig into exactly what was making Joel happy over the weekend. We are, after all, America's number one family sports show. As long as you don't have a family. But Big Dog, we left here on Friday talking baseball real quick here. And, you know, we talked about the White Sox playing a Cleveland Indian team that they appear to have a lot more talent than. The Cubs were playing arguably the worst team in the National League, the Houston Astros. Cubs lost two out of three, and the White Sox get swept. That's not good. No, no, it's definitely not good. I will say this. The Indians, they have a pretty good defensive team. They got a lot of speed. They have a fundamentally sound team. And the Astros have better pitching than you might realize, but the Astros' offense is pathetic, mm-hmm. really. I mean, they, they have a horrible offense, and it's really disappointing when you, as a Cub fan to, to see them not be able to outscore a team like that. But I do realize stuff is going to happen. And yeah. if, they could, if they had an eighth-inning guy and didn't have to count on Carlos Marmol to pitch more than three outs, maybe they'd be in a little bit better situation. And, they, you know, winning two out of three at home, even against the Astros, that would have been good. Yeah, the Cubs bullpen has been, uh, I don't know about a disaster, but it has not been good. No, what's All right, worse than now disaster? The, huh? What's worse than disaster? That bad, huh? Yes, it is. That bad. All right. I was trying to be kind and gentler. It's early in the season. We're only a few games into it. we got 162 games. If we're going to be yeah. negative, Big Dog, we got to pace ourselves. Okay, well, okay, let's, be, let's <laughs> be, okay, let's do it differently then. Yes, sir. Well, the, the, the thing is about they're young, so that means that, well, at least they're young. What the bad thing is, which means they're young and they're going to come back next year. So I guess you're right. Everything is bad. 
Oh, goodness. All right, now that we've got the uh, hardcore baseball analysis out of the way, that took a minute and 45 seconds. More importantly, why are you so uh, glitty and gleamy, and why are you so giddy from the weekend? Anything we can uh, talk about over the airwaves? Well, I don't know if I should be giddy about anything, because I am pretty happy, because I was put in a situation where I I auditioned, and uh, all I can say is I don't know if I'm going to get the actual job mm-hmm. but all i know is i left saying hey i did everything i did perfectly you know i can't i can't be upset about my performance okay. whatsoever you know you walk out of a job interview you still might think you get the job but you're like i'm worried about this and worried about that mm-hmm. i'm not worried about anything i it's out of my hands now i can wipe my hands clean knowing that i did everything i was supposed to and the beautiful thing is you know i got help from uh you and dave olson as references for this particular job uh-huh. um I got Joe Hogan to do my resume. I mean, whenever a West Point grad does your resume, that's good. I wore one of Cloudy's shirts. I looked pimp in it. Uh, Mahmoud gave me a ride to, on his rickshaw. I mean, I'm telling you, Coach, you know, I'm starting to find out I got good friends. You know, and you know, hopefully this will all pan out. You were styling. You were yeah, styling. Yeah, you. Seriously, I don't think you've ever seen a guy in a rickshaw look as good as I did, okay? And and normally when Mahmoud's giving me the ride, I uh-huh. usually give him a little hard on him, but yeah. On uh, Saturday morning, I was in such a good mood. And he waited outside for me. That made me look really good, too, because when you, when you look important enough to have somebody with a rickshaw waiting for you outside uh. the studio, <laughs> you know, people tend to say, hey, that's a winner right there. Well, research yeah. does show that uh, 76% of the people that have gone on job interviews escorted by a guy named Mahmoud have gotten the jobs. So you're, you know, it's not a guarantee, but based on research, you're in pretty good shape. Oh, well, I, I know I'm in really good shape, Coach. I've been eating right. I've yeah. been doing, you know, exercising. Oh, yeah. oh me for the job. I don't, yeah. We'll see. All I know is uh, I think I'm – I did the best I could. Everything so sounded good. The only glitch I could tell, the whole plan sounded very, very impressive. And uh, uh, it's a little awkward wishing the big dog best of luck in a job that will take him away from this show. No, 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 no. It won't. It won't. It will give more exposure to our really? show. Really? Oh, yeah. then, I, then I don't feel so awkward. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, the thing's – you're coming with me, okay? Even if it is you, you replace <laughs> Mahmoud as my driver, because i got to tell you that, that that son of a you-know-what goes way too fast in that freaking rickshaw. So even if you're my driver, Coach, you're coming with me. My, my contract says I do not do rickshaw. <laughs> Thank you. I'm yeah. done with that thing. It messes up my hair, and I'm bald. <laughs> the only uh, fallacy in your whole plan, though, I believe, maybe I misheard you here. My hearing is getting worse as I age. But I thought you said you put me down as a reference. If that's, in fact, true... That might be your only glitch in the whole program. You were after Dave Olson on the list. Let's put it that way. That's that's a good move. You were way down. That's way a good down move. David Olson, a man, our producer, of course, uh, today and each and every day here on the morning break, at least morning break, on the two guys at a mic show, at least every day that he's not on some kind of suspension or vacation. The guy takes like eight-week vacations the entire year. It's unbelievable. But, um, no, David is well-respected throughout the community, but you couldn't find a third reference besides me, huh? Uh, well, uh, Lester Munson, Dave Kaplan. I mean, those are pretty good names. I'd put but those I, three. I, yeah, that's impressive. Those, those, those are pretty good. I, names, I'm I just, figured. I'm just honored to be on the same list with those four fine gentlemen. Uh, well, you know, I, I did say, you know, he should have something nice to say about me. Is what I put in there, coach. So, <laughs> see, but I was afraid. He's like, well, he's putting his co-host. He's, is he trying to get rid of him? So, who mm-hmm. knows? You know what I mean? That that, that could be one of those uh, a touchy subjects where somebody mm-hmm. calls you. And you're working with me now, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, take them from me, take them. You know, that, that might not work out as well as you might think. Take my wife.
please. Please. All right, 888-463-6748. That's the phone number, folks. Lots to talk about. Busy sports weekend. Big Dog and the Coach at your service. Give us a call. Any comments, thoughts you had, anything. We'll go baseball. We'll go hockey. We'll go football. We'll jump off the sports page as well. Again, the phone number, 888-463-6748. You can email us at mike2guys at AOL.com. Big Dog, we had a... uh, uh NHL playoff game in the city of Chicago, a quote-unquote overused cliche, must win for our Chicago Blackhawks. They it came through with the victory. You'll be very happy to know I'm not exactly hockey boy. I watched that entire game, a 2 nothing win for the Hawk, and I was present. Uh, you know what? And I'm going to start this out by saying I was, I was happy that the Chicago Blackhawks fans returned for game two because I don't know – I don't know what yep. it was. Was it the Cub fans from the playoff series in 08 that showed up for that first game? I think it what was. What the heck was that? It sounded it like, like fans for like a, the, a funeral. It sounded like fans for the Billy Elliott Theater Show. Unbelievable! I was so upset on Friday night with Chicago Blackhawks fans that attended that game, and I'm not talking about my cousin who was there and a couple other my friends who were there because I know they were complaining about it. Like my cousin was like, it was like the same people that sat in the seats around us all year long were not there because she has season tickets. And basically what she was saying was, like, I don't know if they sold them or they weren't their tickets, but basically people sat on their hands for three periods. And mm-hmm. they gave the tennis class during their one goal when the Hawks went up one nothing. And all of a sudden, last night she was like, this place is crazy like it's supposed to be. Yep. And all of a sudden, they, got, they had a little energy. Yep. They played phenomenal. and Well, I don't know about phenomenal, but they played really well they, against the grinded-out team, and they won 2 nothing. Actually, I'm going to argue with you in a second that they didn't play really well, but... Um... Is it possible the, the you know players get nervous, players get tense? I think uh, you know, and you alluded to part of it for game one, is maybe some of the regular fans that were there got their tickets bumped, and some of the uh, uh, you know wanna be wanna be seen, huh? Uh, the wine and cheese highfalutin yeah. people that decided to go to a playoff game. Yeah, exactly. And those people show up and they don't cheer us, but part of it too, and the fans can get nervous. And I think in game one for the Blackhawks, there were the the crowd was nervous, and it kind of affected the players, too. They didn't cheer. They weren't as loose as usual. If that's, I don't know, is that possible? Can the you, know, fandom... you know what, Coach? That is possible because if you – it happened at it's happened at Wrigley Field. It's happened at Soldier Field. And it's like, you know, this whole year of expectations are win champions, win the championship, and all of a sudden it comes there, and you're like, okay, we got to win this game. No, this is – all year long you've had a blast. This is the this is the time that you get to enjoy your team in the in the tournament or whatever it is, the baseball playoffs or the football playoffs or the hockey playoffs, that's when you should let loose and just have a good time. So, and I do, I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, about that that the fact that fans will get nervous because you know all of a sudden, like you know, with the Cubs a couple years ago, the whole 100 year buildup. Yep. You know, I think that played into it a little bit. Now, if we'll go back to about the Hawks uh, not playing well, Coach Nashville is one of those teams that try to bloody your nose. Okay, it's hard to play the free-form, beautiful-style hockey that the Hawks have played all year long against a team that plays that, that, uh, that little, that, the trap and all that other stuff. So I thought they did a good job, especially in periods two and three, not in period one. They did not play well in period one, but they adjusted. They took care of the puck in periods two and three. I, I thought they played a pretty good hockey game in the, in the second and third period. Coach. Yeah, I'll meet you halfway. And, again, the Blackhawks pull out a 2 nothing victory. Uh, they did – you know, as I think about it, shots on goal, they dominated, and they did control the puck more. But where they were uh, off in their game, and they've been off the last two games, the strength of this Blackhawk team is their speed and their crispness of passing. 
They're a but, really good passing team. And they weren't missing on the great pass attempts, Big Dog, which, all right, you know, sometimes those click and some don't. They were missing uh, more than a couple times on very basic fundamental passes. And again, I don't know if it's nerves or just not clicking, but that's the part of the game that I thought was off for the Blackhawks. Usually one of their strengths, not getting too complicated, their passing was not good. And I'd have to tip your head a little bit to, to Nashville on that because they've got some really good defenders. They, they have one of the best hockey players in the world in Ryan mm-hmm. Suter. Uh, so the, the best way for me to tell you is sometimes you got to tip your hat to your opponent on that. Nashville wanted to play an ugly game, and they played an ugly game. And because of that, Nashville didn't get that many opportunities. So if you think about it, think about defensively how the Blackhawks look and what they did to Nashville. Mm -hmm. It's because of Nashville's style, they don't get as many opportunities as maybe some other teams will. And because of that, they will also limit your opportunity. And and they make it a point to, to try to disrupt the Hawks' passing. But I will say, there, especially in that first period, how many loose pucks, like bad passes that were behind you. You were right. Yeah. First period, the Hawks definitely were not passing crisply. Mm-hmm. And, and even when it, the, the Predators weren't doing anything to stop them. Pena Rique, or Rique Pena, the uh, Finnish goalie for the Nashville Predators. Pekka Rene. Yeah. Uh, I think I had Pekka Rene once, and I got a little Vaseline. Doctor gave me a couple of pills, and it went away. In a couple of months, once the warm weather came, but uh, you know he lost two to nothing in the Chicago papers. Anthony Emmy, the Blackhawk goalie, getting a lot of credit for the shutout. And again, I'm not a well, I am a hockey expert. I don't watch much hockey, but my intuition on hockey is outstanding. I don't don't want to pat myself on the back, but I will. I'll, I'll do it for you. Thank you, thank you. And the Emmy was, you know, he was good. Got a shutout, made a couple of nice saves. Pekka Rene, what's his name again? Pekka Rene. Pekka Rene was outstanding. Gave up a couple of goals, but he was great in the goal. And Big Dog, his save in the second period, Pat Foley and Steve Conrad, the TV announcers, they got excited about it. But they didn't get excited enough. That was one of the best saves. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. Second the, the period. Pad save with the right with the, with the right pad when he went down and did the split and kicked it out. Uh, it was Marion Hosa shooting. Yes, that's it. That's the one. He, he was on the left side Hosa of the goal. I thought to get some elevation on that shot, Mary. Yes. Come on, get well, the Well, no, no, no. But I thought it wasn't. A, it ended up being a glove save. No. Okay, there was one off of a pad that Pekka needed. Uh, I mean, that Hosa needed to get up. This is the one. It was like mid-second period, and Pekka Rene or Rene Pekka, whatever the hell his name is, he was over on the left side of the goal. Uh, you know, uh, under pressure, made a save. The ball of the puck. Slid over to the other side. Hosa shot. He was raised in his arms for a goal. Renee, he dived. Dived across and I thought reached up with the glove hand yeah, and made, okay. I thought, one of the most spectacular saves. I have, I'm probably exaggerating too much, but not that much, that I've ever seen. Great save. I thought he was outstanding in goal all night long. Yeah, he was outstanding in goal. It, it's pretty cool is that both of these guys are from Finland. Yep. Uh, uh, Niemi and, and Renee. And, uh, and neither one of those guys made the Olympic team. There was two other uh, Finnish goalies that were supposedly better than these mm. two. So it's uh, Mika Kiprasov, and then the other guy that is uh, the MVP of the 2006 Olympics. What's so, the goal? Nika Super is producing some pretty good goalies right now, Coach. Nika Supersoft? Mika Kiprasov. Oh, Kuprasov. I thought his name was Supersoft. Kiprasov. Yeah, if you, if you want. Kiprasov. Kiprasov. If you want to be a goalie, uh, you know, if you're a, a dad listening to the program, your young kid's four or five years old, and. Shows good agility and can do the splits well and has a certain affinity for wearing pads. I'd move to Finland because that's the place to be for goalies. Yeah, and, and especially if you like blonde girls uh, <laughs> and like to cuddle. 
hopefully at the age Hold of up. five, they haven't discovered that quite that much. But, you know, it's not a bad place to go. The dad could have some fun there, too, while you're training your kid. Yeah, why not? Why yeah. not? Especially, you know, if you like it dark in, in the month of October, because they, they're <laughs> one of those countries that it's uh, it's like one of those six-month light, six-month dark countries, Coach, uh-huh. if you're up north. Yeah. There's that many beautiful blondes. It's a shame it's dark that often. <laughs> Some guys have all the luck, don't they? Yeah, Six months the big dark. question I have for you, big dog, is the girl? Do the girls really all get prettier at closing time? I, I got to be quite honest with you, coach. I, they used they used to, but I'm trying to stay away from that type of action lately. I'm trying to do the right thing. So as you I'm mature, have to do that Patrick Kane answer and say I don't have any experience in that particular okay. question. Well, yeah, you've got experience, but I think as you mature, your perspective on it has changed. That's what you're trying to say. Well, or that's know, what I'm trying also- to say for you. There's also the philosophy, go early, go ugly. The goo theory. I mean, I haven't done that one yes. yet either, to be quite honest. Yeah, that, that was commonly known in our younger days as the goo theory. What's that? Goo, G-U-E, go ugly early. Go early, go ugly. <laughs> 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 we we got to get together more often, Big Dice. See, now that yeah, we don't we see do. each other we face-to-face, do. we've lost that wonderful karma we used to have. Uh, by the way, I had a, a listener over the weekend ask me, how old is the big dog? I forgot. He was guessing that you were in your early 30s. I told him I thought somewhat a little bit older than that. Are you, uh, I don't know if you want to divulge your exact age, but there are listeners inquiring. Oh, I have no problem. It's 37. It's 37. And I, I look a lot differently than that picture you have up on the on the, on the the website. Yes. Uh, remember, I was personal training this one young lady last night, and she's of the, the Muslim descent, and it was, it was cool learning how she eats and stuff like that. And so I asked her, you know, how, how old do you think I am? And she's like, well, you're like 26 or 27. Uh-huh. Trust me, I have now a client forever when I told her I was going to be 38. <laughs> she's like, no way. I was like, well, if you do everything that I'm telling you to do, mm-hmm. you'll look 10 years younger. So trust me, Coach, she's going to hopefully start paying for it. Like, I mean, uh-huh. like, you know, the actual, like, with money. Okay. We, we will expect a new picture up on our fan page. And, folks, the fan page, if you want to check it out, archives of all the old shows is two guysmike.com. Number two, two guysmike.com. And the big dog will expect a, a, a new and improved and fresher picture up there. What do you think? In a couple of weeks, once the Muslim girl gets to you? Yeah, that, that would be nice because as soon as it gets paid, I can actually afford to actually take a picture. Yes. Like with a camera phone or something like that. I'll, I'll try to do something, Coach. Okay, that's outstanding. Uh, we also have a NBA playoff game here in the city of Chicago today. Bull taking on Cavalier. Uh, you watched the Cavaliers win game one. At least I thought you did. Big Dog, your comments on game one. The Bulls did make a nice comeback. They didn't get blown out. You know what? And But in the NBA playoffs, that doesn't really mean much for you, but... They played. They played decent. I was able to watch a lot of the third quarter and, mm-hmm. and the early fourth quarter. But I mean, stay in there earlier. I mean, don't let it, don't let the game get out of hand. So um, this, I don't know if it's a must win for them because they do have two games at the United Center after that. But mm-hmm. uh, they do they do need to play a lot better. And what you know, the funny thing is, how many open shots of people that weren't LeBron James went down? It seemed like every time. You know, they're, they're trying to take LeBron away and make other people beat him. Well, in game one, it seemed like every time somebody other than LeBron James took an open shot, that mm-hmm. thing went through the hoop. Well, so. we talked about that on Friday as the Cleveland Cavaliers are so good. Uh, a, obvi- the obvious, LeBron James's greatness. But B, they've got so many other offensive weapons. Not just like other great teams have one or two guys, but the Cavaliers with their depth. I mean, they literally have five, six, seven different guys that can burn you. And uh, the Bulls found that out firsthand in game one. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I, they've done a good job 
of putting people around LeBron James that all yep. they care about is winning. Yep. You know what? Because if you think about it, it, all that matters is winning. Who cares how many points a game you average? Who cares how many shots you have? You know what? If you just go out there and play the game of basketball and play in the flow of the game, play in the rhythm of the game, you might score 25 one day. You might score 10 mm-hmm. at the end. But at the end of the season, if you're hoisting the trophy, no one's going to be like, well, the, he only averaged 18. The other guy averaged 19. He's a better player. No, no. The 12 guys who win the NBA championship should be considered the best players mm-hmm. in the NBA. And I, I think I, I'm just like that, Coach. It's guys that take charges and some rebounds and don't turn the ball over and hit their free throws, yeah. you, those guys are just as important as some guy that is averaging 28 points a game mm-hmm. on a team that wins 25 games. Yeah, completely agree. And I would add to that, and I think you alluded to it, the willingness to pass up a decent shot to give the ball to a teammate for a better shot. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's not of the mentality of NBA players because they're all stars in their own right, but that sometimes big dog can make the difference between good and great, the willingness to share the ball. Yeah, and isn't it? It is a little bit easier if you're going to a team that has a LeBron or a Kobe or a Michael Jordan on it because you know you're not the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. And those type of guys could say, "Hey, pass the ball to an open guy." It doesn't even have to be me. Just play play more team basketball, and those guys will have to listen. So it's a little bit easier. Like if you're on the Dallas Mavericks, you know Dirk Nowitzki can't really say that to people. He doesn't have like that aura and that leadership about him. It, it, so that's it, it does make it a little bit easier if you do have a LeBron James on your team to say, hey, let's play team basketball. Mm-hmm. But then I, again, they're one of their biggest faults is sometimes they rely too much on LeBron James to go one on one. That's and when that yeah. that's what the Bulls need to do. I mean yeah. everyone knows LeBron is either at the worst, the second best player in the league, but mm-hmm. somehow they gotta figure out how to make it LeBron versus the Chicago Bulls. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think the Bulls are falling into that same trap. And clearly you were right. In game one, LeBron was very happy playing the complimentary player role. And it worked for the Cavaliers. He still scored a quiet 24 points. You know you're Mm -hmm. great when you score a quiet 24. But my complaint, and I mentioned it before the playoff game, Big Dog, the Bulls are starting to fall into the trap of give the ball to Derrick Rose, pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, double team, triple team, maybe once every three times rotate the ball over. You know, and it's like every possession you got Derrick Rose pounding the ball. Pass the ball. He is a great player, and he's becoming better all the time, but they need to move the basketball. That's just one man's opinion. Yeah, everybody knows you need the superstar, two superstars to win an NBA championship. But you need to have your team play in the team concept with that superstar out on the court at all times. Yeah. Uh, you know, the triple post offense, you know, I, we, we use the Bulls but as an example. The triple post offense is legitimately set up to have all five guys on the floor to have an equal shot at getting, the, uh, getting a shot. And that's how the Bulls play. Mm-hmm. Yet they had the singular greatest score ever in the history of the game. But they tried to play a system that meant everybody should take the equal number of shots. That's what it's all about, Coach. Sounds good in theory, but in reality, the ball got passed into Bill Cartwright. And every time he did that, I still have a nervous twitch. And I blame it back on the days when Bill Cartwright had the ball in the post, Big Doug. Uh, How many assists do you think Bill Cartwright had? He was brutal. Oh, Big Bill! He does the little things down there. He does all the, you well, know, he, all he, the he little things. Hey, what, what does he do? The ball went into Bill Cartwright. He had an easy layup. He would fake left, fake right. Home, hey, home, hey, home. Pass it back. He was brutal. See, Coach, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Obviously, I hope so. Bill Cartwright was not an offensive weapon. 
course, he averaged 20 points a game two years in a row with the Knicks, which is unfathomable. I still don't know how that ever happened. (laughs) But you know what? He had his role on that team, and his role was for the What was his role? For his three good centers in the East at the time of the early 90s, he was supposed to throw elbows and irritate that guy for 48 minutes. Of course, Bill Carter was only on the floor for 20 minutes, and it was the first eight minutes of the game, and then usually the whole fourth quarter. I'm six two. I'm, did, I'm six two and a half, hundred and eighty six pounds. I could go out there and throw irritating elbows. Yeah, but okay. give me, give yeah, me a, if you give, throw an elbow into a guy's hip, that's considered a dirty play. <laughs> if you throw it into the guy right below the guy's shoulder, yeah. that's you know the, the referee isn't going to call that. You put I, me up, put I, me up I, against I a seven footer. Bad, huh? He was bad, coach, but you know, that, right. that was his role. <laughs> he was bad, but that was his role mm-hmm. to be bad. Okay. Now that we've cleared that up, eight 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 four six three six seven four. And we're gonna take a quick break. We still got more NBA playoff to talk about. NHL playoffs. Uh, give us a call on that. We're definitely gonna do the baseball weekend in review. And we also have some interesting uh, news and notes and titillating tidbits, big dog, including as we speak, as you are sitting down munching on your donut in your lazy boy chair on a phone yeah, doing the sports talk show. Twenty five thousand runners are in the midst of a twenty six. And a half mile run. I hope you are not ashamed, but the Boston Marathon is going on as we speak. Yeah, like I eat donuts, and there is no way I would destroy this body that I've worked so hard to get by running 26 miles. Okay, <laughs> I'm not kidding you, Coach. Marathons destroy your body. All right, Big Dog did have an idea, which hope we hope to do regarding a marathon. It's a little bit of a different take. We'll talk about that when we come back. Lots I'm willing to do it, Coach. Yes, Talk you about are. destroying your body. That would definitely do it for me. TalkZone.com, 888-463-6748. Give us a call before we destroy this show. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john Cohn and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com big dog know how i normally have uh more often than not i have bad dreams sports related uh, in the evenings they say you haven't had many lately at least you at least you haven't been discussing them I've been getting better. Last night I had two disturbing dreams. Two times oh. I woke up, and uh, you know I knew the Boston Marathon was today. And you know I'm a horse racing fan, very excited about the Kentucky Derby. Woke up about two o'clock in the morning and uh, had dreamt that a horse from Kenya won the Kentucky Derby. Somehow combining those two events, I couldn't quite figure that out. You didn't find like the horse's head in your bed out of like the Godfather? Did no. You? Okay. It didn't get that bad. And then about uh, 4 o'clock in the morning I woke up and I dreamt that uh, a guy from Kentucky 
won the Boston Marathon, and immediately after winning, they put him out to stud. Which actually is not such a bad dream. Not bad. Not bad. Never Moral to all the young kids out there, never combine your Boston Marathon and your Kentucky Derby thoughts. Uh, there are 25,000 runners. I don't know, might be over by now. Producer extraordinaire David Olson, before the show is over, he might give us the winner of the Boston Marathon. But, uh, Big Dog, I know you've done a little bit of running in your times. 25,000, it's the biggest marathon. It still has a certain aura, does it not, no, the no, Boston there, Marathon? It's, uh, it, it's not the biggest. It's the most high-profile. Most prestigious. Yes, because yeah, like I, the the Chicago Marathon will have like 40,000 people in it. It's also much more difficult to get. You have to like qualify in order to get into the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. So there's 25,000 legitimate uh, like high-level runners. Mm-hmm. And like at the Chicago Marathon, you know, you'll probably have 20,000 high-level runners, and there's 20,000 people who are just trying to – won a marathon like for the mm-hmm. first time or whatever time that they're doing it. So. I know we do have a legitimate uh, United States contender, a legit no contender. Yeah, you know, more normally it's you know Kenya, Ethiopia, Morocco, but uh, Ryan Hall. You've probably read about this guy in recent years, Ryan Hall. Notre from, Dame, right? I believe so. Uh-huh. I believe so. Very good from Mammoth Lakes, California. But I think he is a runner at Notre Dame. He was ranked like number two coming into it. It's been a long time since a U.S. guy has won it. But uh, Ryan Hall, a contender, and again uh, going on as we speak, the great prestigious run, the Boston Marathon. And what else is going on in, uh, in, in Boston is it is Patriots Day. Okay, and it's a Boston tradition where the Red Sox play at. 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 o'clock our time. Mm-hmm. There's a Major League Baseball game being played as we speak right now, Coach. Okay. And then at noon our time, the Texas Motor Speedway has uh, is going to run the, the Sprint Cut Series race. So here you are, a Monday afternoon, there's typically nothing going on. And by by the by 5 o'clock in the afternoon, when you start to sit down and watch Comcast Sports Live and, and, and watch the bowl game in the playoffs, you could have already watched the Boston Marathon, a major league baseball game, and uh, one of the biggest races that uh, NASCAR has every year, which is at the Texas Motor Speedway, and it would be five o'clock on a Monday. It's not bad. No, that's yeah, it's a pretty big sports day considering mm-hmm. it's a Monday in the middle of April. Coach. That's not bad. Boston, by the way, very underrated city. I've only been there once, but thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, from the way you describe this particular Monday, I'd like to be there today. That's not a bad one, two, three. And don't forget, today is April twentieth. And okay. at 420 today, everybody is going to be lighting up a tailpipe. Beg your pardon? Never it, mind. It, it's the 19th, big dog. Oh, it's the 19th? It's the 19th. What are we talking about? Maybe I shouldn't light up a tailpipe, Dave. Thank you, Mr. Olson. I need an explanation here. I have no idea what the two uh, of you are talking about. It's probably okay, a good so thing. Patriot? Yeah, it's probably not a good thing. There's, there, it, it, I was joking. I really wasn't going to light a tailpipe up, Coach, but... People who are potheads, they consider 4:20 to be like uh, like a joke time. Okay. Oh, it's 4:20. I have to smoke my marijuana. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, it, it's like a joke. And so like on 4:20 on April 20th, uh-huh. it's like if you're a pothead, there's there's a million <laughs> pot fests around the world uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. on April 20th. Okay. Now if you'll be celebrating and you're uh, listening to the show, uh, you know we have a very vast clientele that listens to this show, Big Dog, and you want to. Um, Chime in on that, 888-463-6748. It's a celebratory day of sorts. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, By the way, you mentioned the Boston Red Sox playing at 11 o'clock. I don't know if you've followed your Boston Red Sox baseball 12 games into the season, but one of the favorites to win the World Series, 4-8 and 
Lost four in a row. Not very good. Too early to panic in Fenway Park, or do you think this could be an off year for the Red Sox? Yeah, and, and, and don't forget it. Before before we talk about panicking, they're only four games below 500, and there's 150 games left. No, no, no time to panic okay. just yet. Okay, and they and they're really there's no injuries or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they continue to play this way, and it's it's May 19th, and at that point they're you know, like 10 games below 500, that is then it'll become an issue. No reason to panic for okay. any team in baseball right now. All right. None. Our fans in the Boston listening audience, so listen to the Big Dog, are a lot calmer now. And once they it hits 420 this afternoon, a lot of them might be apparently even more calmer. Yes, this is true, Coach. If they get any more calm, they might be a comatose. Let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Other baseball news over the weekend we mentioned. We're going to try to talk Chicago baseball as little as we can today because it was brutal. Brutal. If we do have any Chicago fans, our show emanating, of course, out of the fine city of Chicago. Cubs or Sox, you need a uh, Cubs or Sox fans, you need a shoulder to cry on. You need to uh, talk out some of your problems right now. We're right here for you. 888-463-6748. But big dog, some other uh, happenings over the weekend, including a no-hitter by one of our favorite names in baseball, the Colorado Rocky, Ubaldo Jimenez, with a no-hitter the first of the 2010 season. Yeah, it's the first uh, and the first ever in the history of the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, 18 years. On Saturday, the Wall Street Journal came out with an article, and it talked about how stuff that has never happened in the history of baseball, like first-time things that that is that has never happened, is yep. so rare because there's been so many games played. That day that it happened, okay, the day that the Wall Street Journal writes that particular article, the first no-hitter in the history of the Colorado Rockies happened. Now, that is obviously isn't the first no-hitter in baseball history. And then in the same day, the first game ever to go more than 18 innings scoreless happened. Okay? It's the first time the Mets ever uh, – uh, the Mets won, right? 2-1? Met, yeah, Mets won 2-1. It was the first time uh, that the Mets ever won a 20-inning or more game. It was the first time the Cardinals ever lost a 20-inning or more game. And uh, first and foremost, it's the first time that we're – Still, more than 10,000 people in the seats of a game that there was 13 innings straight of not being able to buy a beer. <laughs> I forgot about that because no yeah, beer so, sales after seven innings. Isn't that crazy? So my brother and I are reading this article. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you got to read this article. It's a, you know, it's a real analytical thing about baseball. You'll love it. I read it, and it was fantastic. And that day, that the Wall Street Journal writes that all these first things happen in mm-hmm. a baseball game, which I thought was pretty funny. If you're not aware of what the Big Dog's talking about, it was item two in our uh, Baseball weekend report, Big Dog, but 20-inning game, Mets 2, St. Louis 1. What makes it most amazing is, as you um, stated, 18 innings. 18 innings, and neither team could score a run, 0-0. And then, I think, who was the home team, the Mets? I know the Cardinals were at home. All right, so the Mets finally score a run. After 18 innings of 0-0, the Mets finally score a run in the top of 19. You think it's over. St. Louis comes back. They're putting in one of the best closers in the game of baseball, Frankie Rodriguez. Coach, the game is over. And St. Louis comes back and scores (laughs) one run to tie it up. They go into the 20th. The Mets finally win it. But uh, unbelievable game. 20 innings, and the most amazing is the 18 innings of shutout ball. Great pitching, obviously. Yeah, three position players pitched. Two, two for the Mets. Yep. You, you have two position players pitched in a game and you win. <laughs> okay, that's not going to happen very often. Uh, I mean, stuff like that. That is that is pretty crazy. You and should... how about this? Think about this. When how many times in the history of baseball have you had five players in your lineup go all for seven and you win a baseball game? 
a combined five players went 0 for 35, mm-hmm. and they won. It's been, a, it's been an odd start to the baseball season, and this weekend just added to it. It might be a, could be a very interesting 162-game ride, Big Doug, if all this oh, continues. It always is. Every single day. Even in years where nothing incredible happens, you're like, isn't it crazy this year? Nothing incredible mm-hmm. has happened. There's a, every baseball year is phenomenal. Right. If you love the game of baseball, there's always interesting stuff. Like, Who would have thought that right now, or Hey Can too would have like uh, an incredible record, you know, the start of the season. Who would have thought that Albert Pujols would be hitting 400 with like 900 home runs, and he'd be like, I'm really not seeing the ball that well. I'm not hitting it well. You're not. You're hitting 400, and you're leading the league at home runs. And the, <laughs> the real story of this particular year is the rookie phenom coach. That, that's what the, that's the story of this particular year. We're still waiting for Strasburg and Araldis Chapman, you know, to pitch for the for the Nationals and the Reds. But this kid, Mike Leak, for the, um, you know, he looks fan, he looks fantastic. He's good. Jason Hayward, do you, they're, they're comparing Jason Hayward to Hank Aaron before the season started. I was like, hold on, let's, let's not go too far. They have Jason Hayward throw out, uh, Hank Aaron throw out the first pitch of the season to Jason Hayward. Well, so far, through the first 12 games of his career, he dwarfed Hank Aaron's numbers. And it's, and there's, there's a couple other young players around the game of baseball, Ian Desmond, a few other ones. This is the year of the rookie phenom coach. Whoever wins the rookie, this is going to be one of the most prestigious rookie of the year races, mm-hmm. rookie rookie of the year award races that possibly of my whole entire life. Young so. man, you're talking about Jason Hayward adding to his uh, early aura, his early laurels, the ninth inning yesterday. Bases loaded, two outs, his team one out from elimination. And Jason Hayward shows some great, great plate discipline, shortens up a swing, gets a base hit, brings in two runs, and wins the game for the Atlanta Braves. The legend of Jason Hayward moves on. Big hit yesterday. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, big dog. Obviously, he can hit in the clutch as well. Yeah, his first at-bat of the Cubs, against the Cubs, the first time he swings the bat, he hits a 475-foot line drive home run. That was his first, right, coach. first major league at-bat. Yeah, his first major yeah. league at-bat. The first time he swung the bat. 475 foot line drive home run, and I like he. You're right. He did shorten up a pitch low and away, a perfect pitcher's pitch. Mm-hmm. He shortens it up and hits a sharp ground ball the other way in into the hole, and, and the Braves win. Mm-hmm. So Milwaukee Brewers haven't scored more than eight runs in a game all year in the first inning yesterday against the Washington Nationals. Ten run first inning. We continue the oddities of Major League Baseball, but uh, I think Jason Marquis. I'm not sure if he got an out. He didn't no, get he out did of the not. first inning. He, he, this is Jason Marquis, uh, third start of the season. His ERA was like 3.5 coming in, very respectable, lower than the league average. Yeah. He left with a 20.52 ERA. <laughs> 10 runs and he, and you said he didn't register a single out? Did not register wow. an out in the ballgame. So. Wow. That's not good for your ERA. Yeah. And, uh, Gavin Floyd yesterday, who, who is, is a quality pitcher. Yep. Hopefully he gets his accurate because he has not pitched well this year for the Chicago White Sox. I don't want to like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we wanted to avoid Chicago baseball talk, but, uh, Gavin Floyd is now a concern, I think, especially because he, you know, John Danks has looked phenomenal. Mark Burley's going to be all right. But, you know, Gavin Floyd was that guy that they were hoping instead of being like a good number three could be like a possible number yeah. one because he's got that stuff, but, uh, he's going to have to get hit. whatever is wrong with Gavin Floyd wrong it's got to be righted soon for the couldn't, time of the couldn't even get through the uh, second inning gave up seven runs i don't even think he got through the second inning that's one and way of taxing your bullpen also he was behind the count on every batter he faced yep that's brutal and talk about other weird stuff the chicago cubs who are five and seven now coach have had a lead in every ball game 
and they're five and seven because they their bullpen can't hold the lead. There's there's a lot of issues with Chicago baseball right now. Both of these teams have strengths and weaknesses. The problem is you got to try to play to your strengths so the weaknesses don't glare as much. Mm-hmm. And through the first two weeks of the season, neither team is doing that. All right, we can bring out the uh, brooms as well over the weekend. Talk about some sweeps and one broom would be the uh, very fancy high tech broom that you got to pay, uh, you know, probably a couple of hundred bucks for it. One of your elite. Um, Upper Stratosphere Hardware Stores, that's the one the New York Yankees used to sweep the Texas Rangers, who a lot of people thought would be the team to beat. In the AL West, the other broom is one of those little whisperums you pick up at a, maybe a garage sale for 50 cents. That's what the Pittsburgh Pirates bought for their baseball team. They swept Cincinnati over the weekend. The Pirates, my low-budget team that I root for, Big Dog, playing good baseball. They went 5-3, to three, so a sweep for the Yankees and a sweep for the Pirates. Uh, if, uh, if the Pirates play in front of an empty stadium and, and nobody is there to see it and they sweep a team, does it really count as a three-game sweep? Stop it. Oh, no, that's the train the woods uh, conundrum. I always get those two confused. <laughs> a cheap shot to all our fine listening fans in Pittsburgh. Well, no, trust me, they're, they're, they're just worried about Ben Roethlisberger right now. That's why nobody was there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, that's not a good situation. We haven't gotten into that much on the show, and quite I really frankly, don't I, I don't want to either. I, I like to have fun. I like to joke. Yep. I like making fun of people. Yep. That guy, I'm almost afraid that everything is true that we've heard, because if it is, I can never root for the guy. I, I mean, I, I understand some people make mistakes. That's his second mistake. Mm-hmm. And come on, why are you hanging out with 20-year-old uh, uh, girls and whipping it up? Come on. Yeah. Well, we, we also understand uh, that pro athletes and all people in the public limelight, the politicians, entertainers, they are susceptible to any of the uh, Yahoo fans out there that want to try to make something up or make something much bigger, and they can definitely tarnish the image. So there is there is that aspect out there that you're, you're, you're very susceptible, but it's the old where there's smoke, there's fire with Ben Roethlisberger, it appears. We don't know. We're sitting here and we're just hearing the stories, but it appears... Uh, at best, not very good uh, character judgments by Big Ben. And and uh, I'm always the guy that rushes to the defense of the man when there's an accuser, being like, "Hey, I'm not saying he didn't do it, but let's not uh, let's not put this guy in prison, mm-hmm. you know, just because uh, a woman has said, oh, he did this, this, and this.' Because I've I've been um, forget about me. That has I mean, I've never done anything in that particular like anything like that. But you know, let's let's not rush to judgment. You know, mm-hmm. but after a while. You know what? I'm also for the fact that if you do something like that to a woman, you deserve you deserve punishment. Is the best mm-hmm. way for me to say, Coach. So you know, I started... I, I'm hoping all this is wrong. I really am hoping that this is because if this is true, the stuff that how he acted, you shouldn't be the face of a franchise. It's as mm-hmm. simple as that. Yeah, he shouldn't be a face of NFL football. Period. He probably should yeah, be exactly. suspended for a while. It was interesting. You said, you know, this. I'm always on the side of protecting the man. No, 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 no. I didn't. I, I didn't. Well, but, I, I like to just remind people. I, whenever somebody's accused of something, I like to remind people immediately. Hey, we have to find out the facts. Don't yeah. automatically assume that the guy is guilty. Right. If the guy is guilty. He should pay without question. He should pay with whatever right. punishment that is deemed. Uh, what do you call it? That, that should be deemed whatever, right. to make it even. But I just don't like people rushing to judgment like, oh, the mm-hmm. guy's accused. Oh, he's a rapist or oh, he's a domestic violence guy. No, no, no. Let's find out what happened first, okay, because mm-hmm. there's always two sides of the story. Interesting, though, speaking of two sides to the story where you said guy and you said man, and I think we all knew you were talking about the athlete, uh, you know, athlete A that was in the limelight. You were making that 
uh, comparison, but, you know, female sports has been out for a while. There's a lot of great notoriety, if I could use that word, notoriety female athletes out there. I'm going to ask you, Big Dog, you follow the gossip pages more than I do. Has there been any instances of a female athlete maybe using her fame and fortune to take advantage of a poor, let's say some poor disadvantaged newspaper writer out there or some fan or something? Has a female ever gotten in trouble for uh, sexually stalking a male? Um, not a male. These are the hard questions we ask here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. N- not a male because, I mean, most guys would just consider themselves lucky. Um, ah, so it's a different. I, I do remember a woman basketball coach, and I, I don't want it because I don't want to get it wrong about which university she was at. Uh-huh. But I do remember a woman basketball coach being accused of sexually assaulting one of her players. Okay, but that's the only time I could ever. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's happened. The only time I ever remember actually being newsworthy, and a woman was involved in a, in a like sexual misconduct case. Okay, but it's interesting you said. I won't get too deep into it as we. Get very deep on this show, usually deep in trouble. But it's interesting that you said if it was a guy, it wouldn't be a problem from a female athlete because, well, they would just consider themselves lucky. No, no, no. But that's not no, true. No, if, if, you, if you do something like that to somebody, you deserve to pay. But I'm just saying, who, how many guys would complain? Right. That's why I was trying. It's an interesting comparison. i tell you something. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been out at a bar and, like, the girl <laughs> grabbed my package. Okay. And technically, if I would have done the same thing to her, she's probably filing charges. Okay. Right. But as a man, I just laugh. I was, oh, yeah, I guess I'm being treated like a piece of me. Who's this girl? Okay. Seriously. And I just struck it off. And if I went to the police, yeah, I was at a bar and I was accosted by this five foot two girl. Uh, I really didn't feel comfortable. They would let this get the heck out of here, even mm-hmm. if it was true. So <laughs> it's just, you know, there are double standards in the world, and that is one of them. Okay. So even if a guy felt uncomfortable about the situation there's really nothing they can do about it mm-hmm. and and see that type of um that type of uh i'm not saying that type of double standard really doesn't bother me so much okay. because let's let's face it 99.9 percent of all sexual misconduct is usually started by the man typically mm-hmm. so but Remember, you know, one, remember the one story about the female teacher and like the was it was like a sixth grade kid at the time. It was it was an eighth grader. Do you know they eventually uh, got married? Yeah, well, Mary, that's, well, Mary Kayla Turner. That's what I'm about. talking about. It was one of the first ones we heard of, and you know she went to jail and they got separated. But it was amazing because over they kept in touch. They st- she got out of jail. They kept the relationship going. She got back in jail. They ended out uh, away from the limelight, getting married, living a long life together. So they're apparently in that particular. What was her name, Dave? It was Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah, in that particular situation, there definitely was a uh, a real connection between the two of them. The problem was he was twelve years old at the time. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a little odd. That's a little odd. Well, it is, but it's even odder, I think, that the the relationship stayed together. That it wasn't I, just some, you know weird fling but the two of them actually were meant for each other in the long run uh, yeah i thought uh south park summed up that situation rather well what did okay. south park do the, the the cartoon channel basically about how lucky the kid was so you're filing okay. charges what <laughs> so, yeah. never mind yeah, never yeah. Mind. They, they'd go to the police and tell them the situation and the police would just go nice <laughs> nice <laughs> <They're> like, really <laughs> oh goodness politically incorrect here it's the coach with the. Uh, our moral compass, Joel Redwanski, and trust me, folks, if he's your moral compass, 
You will get lost early and often, but while you're lost, you'll have a good time getting lost. Our moral yeah. compass, the big dog, Joel Radwanski, here talking sports on the uh, Two Guys at a Mic show. Again, we do it each and every Monday through Friday, 10 until 11. Uh, a couple other little titillating tidbits from over the weekend, big dog. Uh, the Northwestern women's lacrosse team, four-time national champions, 41-game winning streak. It came to an end yesterday in Evanston. North Carolina defeated them, so the... Uh, the mighty champions have been defeated. No, that, was that playoff? No, regular season game. Okay. Okay, that starts pretty soon, though, for them, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know what? They're defending national champions. They had a long streak. Just get it passed, and hopefully they can uh, get it done in the actual tournament. Now, you, you will love, I, I know you, and you're going to love this, because I read what Kelly Amante Hiller, their uh, head coach, mm-hmm. okay, the team was not playing up to a par this year. They had a Saturday game before yesterday's game. And they barely won, but she has not been happy with the practice play or the game play and the effort of the team. She walked the team after the game. After the game, she took the team, walked them like 25 minutes across from their playing field now, walked them across the campus to wherever their practice field used to be. When she first got there and the program wasn't even ranked. And Uh it was some old field with garbage on it, with stones on it, with people it was like a regular park with people walking across. She said they used to run practice, and there'd be people walking across her practice. Uh-huh. And she brought the players over there, and she said, hey, this is what the other players in the program had to go through. This is what it used to be like. And all these uh, past players have put in their blood, their sweat, and their tears, and their, their effort to make it possible so that you guys have this brand-new practice facility and that you guys have this beautiful plant facility. And she walked them to that and just kind of showed them where it came from to indicate to them, hey, don't take things for granted. You have to keep working hard to stay on top. Wasn't that a cool psychological maneuver? Coach, to, to show you how jacked up my priorities are, that story you just told me just gave me chills. Yeah. That, that's what it's about. That's coaching right there. That yeah. is awesome. That's, that's you know, what I thought Sometimes people forget how long and where you've come from and, and stuff like that. You should always remember your friends. You should always remember the, the price you've paid. And if you didn't pay that price, you should remember the people that paid the price for you. Like on Patriots Day, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of great Americans that have paid the, the ultimate sacrifice for us. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of things to, to make us be able to say what we, are, we want on this Internet radio show, to be able to write whatever we want, uh, and, and be able to speak and think the way we want to. So that's awesome. That is, that's phenomenal coaching right there, Coach. David also, once in a while, our moral compass points in the right direction. Nicely nicely stated by the Big Dog. Uh, other news and notes are coming up Thursday, Big Dog. We have an NFL draft. I know you like to analyze the players. you got good expertise in football, it's but like, the draft like a is coming up. It's draft now, and I think the Bears get a, their first pick on the fourth day, isn't it? What yes. it is now. I'm not exactly yeah. sure how it works. <laughs> yeah, we've got the 75th pick on the draft, so the buzz in Chicago has not been great. But it's still uh, it's, it's always a fun day, the NFL draft. I know you'll be watching. Yeah, and it's I just I just laugh. Uh, the the Rams are going to give fifty million dollars guaranteed to a guy that has uh, a, a bad shoulder, a bum shoulder, doesn't stay in all the time. Oh, oh, and by the way, he plays quarterback, and I think a shoulder is pretty important with that. It, it's this stuff is just amazing, Coach. I I, I I just I just shake my head. I, I can't understand sometimes how, how people are willing to throw money at people with injuries and are uncertain. The fact they're not taking uh, Indominus and Sue of, of Nebraska is mm-hmm. the ultimate mistake for the St. Louis Rams. Okay, you have the best player in the draft at your at your beck and call. Mm-hmm. I know you need a quarterback, but you also have one of the best 
young linebackers in the game and James Laurinaitis. You put Anandikin Sue in front of James Laurinaitis, the kid will make 20 tackles a game next season. Oh, and guess what? You're going to pay him half of what you paid uh, uh, Sam Bradford. And guess what? Sam Bradford could end up being a really good NFL quarterback in about five years. Taking a quarterback high in the NFL draft, you have got to be 101% positive that the kid can play. If you think about like rookie quarterbacks, there's only been a few that have ever been decent. And only one was like led their team to the playoffs, and that was Ben Roethlisberger. And it really wasn't leading him. He was handing the ball off every single time in 2004. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I laugh. I look at this NFL draft, and I, I just shake my head about how some teams continually make the same fundamental mistakes all the time, and then other teams, year in and year out, always draft right. They when they draft like the the Colts, when they draft somebody high, it's positions that you don't have to think a lot about. Mm-hmm. So like if you draft somebody in the first round, they draft defensive linemen. Okay, they draft uh, like corners in the first round because those guys don't have to think a lot on a football field, and you know, oh, okay, that will translate, and that guy will come in and do this. And other teams take you give fifty million dollars to a guy that isn't for the first three or four years is going to be brutal. What, I, I what was the draft, big dog? Uh, when the Houston Texans, there was a great skill position player everybody wanted him to pick. They said no, we're going to take the defensive end. Was it Marvin Williams they chose? It was, it was the two thousand and six draft which I will go on record again and say is the greatest draft in the history of the game of football. Wow. If you go through the, all the players taken in that draft, your mouth will drop, okay? Everybody was saying, take Reggie Bush number one, okay, take this young it. number one. Some people are saying, you know, Liner should be higher, not number one. You know, Jay Cutler was the yeah, Vin, player Vince Young draft. was the guy because the Houston Tech, Vince Young played at Texas. Mm-hmm. Houston Texans had the number one pick, and Vince Young was just coming off his uh, phenomenal game in the Rose Bowl when he beat USC. So they passed up Young and they passed up Bush. And they took the defensive end, Marvin, is it Marvin Williams? Mario Williams. Mario Williams, who's turned out to be pretty darn good. He is a stud. A stud. And guess what? They paid, he made less money than Vince Young, and Mario Williams started off kind of slow, but right now is one of the top four defensive ends in the game. Mm-hmm. And he, for the next 10 years, there's no other defensive. If I can take any defensive end right now, it'd be him, because I know for the next 10 years, this dude is going to dominate. Mm-hmm. It was a smart pick. What? And everybody ripped them. How could you not take, uh, how could you not take Reggie Bush? Well, you know, Reggie Bush is a great player coach, a phenomenal player, and then people talk about how, He's underachieved. Those guys are morons because he can do everything on a football field, catch it, uh, return it, run it through the tackles, run it on the outside. He's one of the most ultimate weapons. Maybe not as durable as he should be, but yeah, it, that's a great point, Coach. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, take the quarterback, take the quarterback. Oh, yeah, give a bunch of money to a guy that won't be good for five or six years. You find, you, if you want to be a good NFL franchise, you draft a quarterback in the fourth or fifth round, pay that guy $400,000 a year and let him sit for a while and, and – and, and percolate a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you name the best quarterbacks in the game of football, only one of them was a top pick, and that was Peyton Manning. Drew Brees fell all the way to the second round. Tom Brady, seventh round. Okay, you, you can go on and on. You have to, you have to wait for quarterbacks to get good. And even, if, even the great ones in the game. Brett Favre, was he a first-round pick? Brett Favre was a first-round pick, and when but, he was taken, people are like, oh, he was a late first-round pick. Late first-round. Uh, uh, Joe, Joe Montana, third round? Joe Montana was a third-round pick, Coach. Exactly. Kenny Anderson was a free agent, mm-hmm. okay? I'm not saying that if you take a quarterback on the, you know, in the first round, he can't be good, you know, because you got your John Elway. You know, you've got – there's our players that are taking at the top that are absolutely phenomenal. 
but it's such a risk, and there's so much money involved. You know, in 1982, you take a quarterback number one overall, you know, you pay him $300,000 a year, he doesn't pan out, and you're like, that's really difficult. Well, now players, actually, I mean, it's not just like they're making more like, uh, if you were uh, a banker in 1982, you make more than you, we make more than you did in 1982. Mm-hmm. The problem is, Football contracts have, like, they're 100 times more than they used to be. So they're going to give $50 million to Sam Bradford? Yeah, well, and the other difference is in football, one of the beautiful things I think about football is they're not guaranteed contracts. No, 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 hold on. You're exactly right, Coach. But they give these signing bonuses that are that basically you're giving a ton of money up front, so we're taking a lot of the risk away from the player. Uh, and, and I want, and this is really going to blow your mind. The, the, when I said $50 million to Sam Bradford, I was talking about only his guaranteed money. Oh, boy. The contract value they're talking about, yeah. he's probably going to sign like a six-year, $80 million deal with yeah. $50 million guaranteed. Yeah. Well, you know what? If that's the price of doing business, if I'm an NFL owner, I say, you know what? You can have my choice. I'll trade down and take somebody. I'm not spending $50 million on anybody. Guaranteed. I, you know, that's you, ridiculous. No, you're right. You're exactly. You trade down and you get a couple players. The Rams need all kinds of stuff. But what the Rams have is they have a tackling machine in James Laurinaitis. The guy averaged 15 tackles a game last season, and he was popping the ball out. He was forcing fumbles. The guy is a playmaker. If just the way, just the way uh, Lovey Smith did when he came in. Lovey Smith has done some good things with the Bears. Mm-hmm. The first thing he did as a Chicago Bear head coach was make sure they protected Brian Urlacher, so Urlacher could fly around and be a playmaker. Get some big defensive linemen out there. Yes, and the Rams right now could take in Dominican Sue, and if that happened, James Laurinaitis next year would force eight fumbles. Okay, instead of having right. Sam Bradford throw twenty-five interceptions. Big dog, this is going to be a very difficult thing to do because I know when we talk NFL draft and football, the big dog gets. The Excited, you got the blood flowing, I can feel it. I hate to do this to you. I got a snippet in the bud, my friend. The one hour hath come to an end. I apologize. You okay? Uh, I'm fine, Coach. I'll make it up sometime. <laughs> All right. We will uh, we'll talk more NFL draft over the course of the week. NBA playoffs, NHL. It's an exciting time here in sports. And we do thank you for joining us in the two guys in a mic show. David Olson, our producer, great job. We'll do it again tomorrow at ten o'clock. Big dog, you'd be good out there, okay? Uh, Coach, when I'm good, I'm usually being really bad. You are a moral compass, so behave yourself. Well, it's pointing south right now. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening.